Well, it is. It's good to be back with y'all again. I'll tell you, I, it's a little bit of a drive over here, but it's worth it. I, you know, you, I, this is a very friendly church, and you know, my 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 sons are sometimes a little shy, and so uh, one of them said, you know, this is a very friendly church, friendly folks here, and and he's exactly right. And if you can make make them feel comfortable, you know, I, I just want to thank y'all for making us as a family feel comfortable here, and so thank y'all for that. Uh, thank y'all for being a loving church, for for loving the Lord and trying to let the Lord's uh, love shine through your lives as you go about. And so I want to, I, I appreciate that, and I want to thank y'all uh, for for just making us feel comfortable and and to feel uh, wanted here with you guys. And so thank y'all very much. Um, brother said that uh, I really hammered on it last time, and so y'all are really. Uh, Y'all may really be in for it this morning. That was nothing. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, honestly, I don't know from one Sunday to the next whether I'm going to be more teaching or if it's going to be more hellfire brimstone. I, yeah, honestly, sometimes I just, I just don't really know. Sometimes I know from the scripture, but until I get someplace and and the Lord gets to moving and. Uh, I get going. I, I honestly don't know just what I'm going to do. So we'll just, all I know is it's going to be from the scripture and it's going to be from the spirit. We're going to be worshiping the Lord and we're going to lift him up. And uh, and I'm going to tell y'all how good God is, what he has done for me, what I know to be true uh, about him because he's done it for me. And, uh, and we're going to talk about the word that he's given us. We're going to learn from it and we're going to be guided by the Spirit of God. And so that's that's what I think we need to do. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. And when you've found it, if you can, I would, I'd appreciate if you'd stand while I read the Word of God. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Father God, I come to you today, Lord, and I just I just praise your name, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for a chance to be in your house today, Lord, with your people. I thank you, Lord, for your word that you have given us, Lord, so that we don't stumble in the darkness looking for you, but that you have guide as a, have a guide for us to show us what your will is and what you'd have us to do and how you'd have us to think. Guide us with your spirit here this morning. Speak through me the words that need to be said. Help us to praise and honor you in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We see in this scripture, we see the, 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 that little word one 
Over and over and over. One. We're talking about unity. Uh, I, I want to say that as we look around, and, and, and I do this a lot, I, I, I like to contrast the world with the things of God. And I think we have to do that because it's very important that we see a contrast between the Christian people, the church of God, and the world outside that doesn't know God. Because that line, and I think I probably said this before, but that, that line between Christianity and the lost, the, the line between the saved and the lost, the sheep and the goats, the world is trying very hard to separate, to, to, to take that line away so that there is, there is no difference between the lost and the saved, the sheep and the goats, uh, the ones who follow Christ and the ones who don't. But we can't fall into that trap because there's a very distinct difference. The ones who know Christ are going to be with him forever, and the ones who don't will be separated forever. And... And, and I want to I, I, I want to say this. I want to say that in a world where people and 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 the world seems to just try to pull us in a lot of different directions, and our minds sometimes are are a little bit scattered. I, I don't know if you know. I, I expect that all of us have been there from time to time, where your mind just feels pulled in a lot of directions. There are so many different things pulling at our attention pulling at our thoughts, trying to get us to, uh, to move in this direction or that direction or, or to distract us, right? And, and there are so many distractions out there. But in a world full of distractions, in a world that's full of chaos, in a world that if you let it will just literally drive you crazy, will really make your mind so scattered that you can't think straight, in that kind of world, what we need is an anchor, we need something we can hold on to that is unified, that is one, right? And I'm telling you today that that that, 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 that we need is God. Because in Him, there is no scatter. In Him, there is no division. In God, there is stability. You know, James tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, listen, God is not unstable in any of His ways. He is completely and 100% in tune with himself. He is who he is. When he, when he told Moses what his name was, he says, I am that I am. What does that mean to us? What is he saying? He's saying that I am from the beginning to the end, always the same. It won't change. It won't be different. I won't be divided. There will always be me. Do we think of him that way? Do we let him be who he says he is? Do we allow him? Listen, Christian people, in the church of God this morning, we each need to be allowing him to be the I am of our lives, to be the unchanging rock, the stability, the anchor that gives our minds focus and direction. We have purpose, church. We were not put here... By accident, we did not come from a primeval goo. Is that what they say? A goo? Are you kidding me? We didn't evolve from something else. We were put here in the image of God with a purpose. Don't let anybody tell you different. Because when you begin to fall into this trap that we have no purpose, 
and there's no eternity, and there's no God, and, 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 and everything's just an accident. And listen, you're an accident. That's what the world wants to tell you. They want you to believe you're an accident. Because if you believe that, you won't have any hope, and you'll be easily led. You'll be easily distracted. You'll be easily led astray. You will easily be led to the gates of hell. But God is one God. God, Yeah, I know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all in perfect unity as one God. You say, well, how can that be? Well, you know what? We have trouble understanding that because we have trouble with unity. Is that right? Our minds have trouble unifying. Our minds are scattered as human beings. But God wants to bring our minds into the way His mind is, into a oneness, into a unity, with no chaos, no scattered, no division amongst us as God's people. He wants us to be more like Him. He expects us, church, to be more like Him. One God, one Father of all. You know, it's amazing that God of the universe is still, and they use this word father, right? Abba Father. Father is, is more personal than God, isn't it? You know, sometimes we think, and we've been kind of programmed to think of when we say God, that he's, he's out there someplace, that he's not close to us, that he doesn't really, he's not part of our lives, that he isn't in us and through us. But Paul said that he was in him. He was through us all. His presence is with us, guiding us, showing us, directing us if we let him. And we can be in unification as a church and in his name because the Spirit of God lives within us. That stability and that anchor that God has, listen, church, if we will listen, if we will devote our lives to him, we can have that same stability in us. I would go as far to say this. If you're a Christian here this morning and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you do have the stability inside you. Now, you may ignore it. You may get outside of that stability. You may choose to walk away from the stable anchor. You may choose to let go and go your own route for a time. But you have within you the stability of God if you'll hold on to it. We all do if we know Christ. And so let's go back. And, and that was sort of a long introduction, but we'll just, uh, we'll just do what we got to do. Verse 1, and Paul says this, and, and, and a little introduction. So the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are doctrine. First three chapters are more like God's philosophy, uh, God's, God's, um, God's will and purpose, and it's more like doctrine. It's head knowledge. It's, it's Paul telling us what God would have us to know, something we can study. And then the last three chapters are, now, how do you put that in practice? How do you live that out? And, and I want to say to you today that head knowledge without practicality is not much good, is it? Now, I can know something, but if I don't do it, what good is it for me? 
if I know how to fix my car, but I'm afraid to get my hands dirty, then my car is going to stay broke, isn't it? I, I can know how to fix the chair, but if I'm afraid to get my hands dirty and do it, then my wife's still going to be mad at me next week. Is that true? Unless I put to practice what God has told me, then what good is it to me? And God says that too. God says, I've given you what you need to know. Now you've got to put it into practice. And I expect you to put it into practice. You remember what Jesus said? They asked him who his, who his mom and his, his relatives were and his family. And he said, I'll tell you who my family is. The ones who hear my words and do them. That's my family. You know what he said? And so we've got to have both sides. We've got to study the Word of God, but we also have to put it in practice. And that's the faith part, isn't it? Because if I believe something is true, then I'm going to put it into practice. If I believe that it's best, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to do that if I believe that's the best way to do it. Uh, in, In... in life, I don't go around looking for harder ways to do things. If I know the best way to do something, I don't go a different route. I do what works. Do you? I mean, if I know that this, that this road out here is going to take me to Newton Church, I don't take the other one. Does anybody do that? If you know that, 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 uh, that 4 is going to take you to Newton, do you take 165? Where are you going to end up? No. If I know that God is God and that he knows what he's doing and he's told me what I should do, faith says, it's time to do it. And so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the very first part of the second part of Ephesians where Paul says, now it's time to put it in practice. And he says this. He says, therefore, because of what I've just said, because of all the doctrine, because Jesus died for you, because Jesus loves you, because he died on the cross and took your sins away, because he saved your soul, therefore, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And I beseech you to do something. But, but first, listen, this is what we need to do. And, and I want to say this to a church that doesn't have a pastor. And this is for all churches to be unified in Christ. But particularly if you don't have a pastor, sometimes the church will sort of lose its way. I would beseech you, myself, I beseech you as a church, and I don't know you well, but I beseech you as a church to stay unified in Christ. No matter what the situation, no matter how long it is till the Lord sends you a man, you as a people, this doesn't say, Paul doesn't say, now this is to the pastors. This is to the preachers. He says every single Christian person needs to be unified in Christ. And so, guys, you don't need a pastor to stay unified in Christ. That is, that is a commandment from God straight to you. And, and, and I agree that it's good to have a pastor. That a pastor can help that process. And that's his job, is to, to lead and to guide and to help a church stay unified in Christ. But listen, I would beseech you all to stay unified in Christ through a hard time that you're going through. He says this. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Now listen, one of the first things we need to do to stay unified, I think, and this is kind of what Paul is saying, is I'm not asking you to do anything that I wouldn't do. Now how often do we expect something of somebody else that we wouldn't do ourselves? 
How often do we get mad at somebody else because they didn't do something that I wouldn't have even done? Now, Paul says this. He says, now, you can't say that of me because I'm in jail. I preached the word, and I was living the life. I was putting it into practice even when they put me in prison. And if they behead me tomorrow, and he was looking... He was looking down the road. He knew that was the end. He knew that there would eventually be a time when he would probably lose his life for Christ. And even now he's imprisoned. And he said, I'm a prisoner. Now y'all remember that. I'm a prisoner and I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done. I'm not asking you to do anything that I wasn't willing to do. Listen, stay unified in Christ. Walk worthy of the vocation for which you're called. And he says this, the vocation that you're called, what you're called into, church, would you agree is incredibly important? What you've been called to do, and again, this is incredible that God would put, wow, that God would put so much on us, right? That God will give us that kind of responsibility. The responsibility of other people's souls. Now that's hard. Does that scare anybody else? Am I the only one that that scares to death? That God has entrusted me to spread the gospel to somebody that needs the Lord? Does that scare somebody else to death? That God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom? that he would say the most important thing to him is that souls be saved and brought into the kingdom, and he would say, Brother Brandon, I want you to do it. I want you to tell somebody about me. I want you to preach the word to a group of people. I want you to go next door and speak to somebody. I want you to go see your neighbor. I want you to go sit at your desk at your office and talk to somebody about the Lord. I want you, everywhere that you go, I want you to walk worthy of the vocation for which you've been called. We have been called into the most important thing in the entire world. There is nothing more important than saving souls. There is nothing more important than glorifying God. And you know what glorifies God in this world? Is that people accept Him as their Lord and Savior. Listen, in heaven He's glorified. In heaven the angels worship Him. In heaven everybody knows He's God. But on earth there are those who don't know. Here, there are people who are ignorant of the truth. Here, there are people who need to see the Lord lifted up. Here, there are people that are without hope. Here, there are people, listen, who are scattered and chaotic and they have no anchor and they have no stability and they're just... They're just in every direction and they don't know which way to turn. And God says, I'm entrusting that stability, that love, the gospel. I'm entrusting it to you, church. He's entrusting it to me and he's entrusting it to you. That's incredible. You remember what Jesus, he told the the parable of the talents. Remember he said, I've got this kingdom. And I'm going to leave it in your hands. And I'm going to give you something to work with. 
I'm going to give you what you need to do the job. But I'm asking you to do it. Listen, that's, that, that's who we are. We're the husbandmen. We're the ones he's left in charge of the kingdom while, while he's with the Father in heaven. Now he's there. He absolutely is. And he's making intercession for us. And he is our perfect priest in heaven making intercession with the Father. The brother talked about, talked about praying. So important. But brother, I think, I think the prayer in faith may be the more important part than the answer. Listen, the answer is, is well, what is it they say in South Louisiana? It's lanyap, right? It's a little extra. The answer is great. The answer is good. The answer we're appreciative of. And, and we love God because he gives us good things and he does good things for us. And every time something good happens in our life, we just praise God that he would answer that prayer. And it's, but we don't deserve it, do we? Do, do any of us deserve to have any of our prayers answered? So, so the prayer and the answer, the answer of the prayer is really just the goodness and grace of God. But what is good for us is the faith that we have in God that we would pray to Him, that we would ask Him, that we would make a petition to Him. That grows us in the Father. That, that makes us more unified with Him. And so prayer is so important because it's communication, because it's helping us stay grounded to, the, to our Father in heaven. And that's what we need more than anything is to be grounded to the Father in heaven instead of scattered into the world doing worldly things. And he says, I beg you, I beg you. Now, old Paul, if you read about Paul, he's an interesting man. Here's a man that's not scared of anything. Here's a man, he's a strong-willed individual. Here's a man who, who went before, he was, before he was saved, he was, he was out imprisoning people. He was out dragging people out of their houses and in, putting them in jail and stoning them. And a zealous man, a strong man, a strong-minded man. And we see, though, once he got saved, he began to see things different. And here's a man that in his, in his strength, in his, what he normally would have been so, you know, he was so prideful, and yet now that he's saved, he says, I'm begging you, man. I will get on my knees and beg that you would do just what I'm asking, that you would be one with the Lord, that you would do the Lord's will in everything, that you would be the Christian people, that you would walk worthy of the vocation that you would be called. Live the life and, and, and a lot of people will say now that it's not important how you live. Y'all, my Bible doesn't say that. Never once does the Bible say that. It says walk worthy of the vocation. It says you've got to put an example of who Christ is before you. You're supposed to be imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we're bickering and fighting and fussing amongst ourselves and can't agree, what's wrong with us? Is that what the Lord does? Have you ever seen in the Bible... Where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit got together in a room and they hashed it out and fussed at each other until one of them won. Now, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It is absolutely ridiculous. So why is it less ridiculous that the people of God couldn't get in a room and figure things out? It shouldn't be more, it should be just as ridiculous to think that the church 
or any church anywhere would split up over anything. Because we should be unified with Christ. Listen, I've had people tell me, well, the, the Spirit's telling me this and the Spirit's telling him that. You know what? The Spirit is unified. Let me tell you, now I'm not going to try to tell you which one is right and which one's wrong. They're probably both wrong. You know what I'm thinking? This is the truth. The truth is, I know who's not wrong. And that's the Spirit. And the Spirit isn't telling one person one thing and somebody else something else. If the two of you are saying that the Lord is telling me two opposite things, one of you is wrong. And you know what that means? That doesn't mean that we don't now hate each other and go our separate ways. That means that me and you need to go find some place and get in the Word of God and get on our knees and pray to the Father in Heaven until we are unified in His name. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong and let's go our separate ways. And and I see it. I see it all the time. The Spirit will always be unified. The Word only means what it means. Again, I hear... I hear people say, well, I mean, the word means this to me and it means this to you and it means something different to everybody. Listen, now I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you that I've got it all figured out and that my, and that where I'm at in my walk right now is 100% perfect in the will of God. I still got a lot of studying to do. But let me tell you this so that we will know because there's stability in knowing this, that there is a truth. Notice I didn't say there are many truths. There is a truth through the Spirit of God. God is truth. Jesus is truth. The Spirit speaks truth. The Word of God speaks truth. Even if we don't quite understand all of it all the time, it is very, is very wonderful to know that there's something we can hold on to. That there is a truth. When we get to thinking that it's just willy-nilly, everybody's got their own version and everybody can interpret it different, and, and we get, where's the stability in that? Do you see any unity with that? Why do we have all these denominations? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble here this morning now. Why are there so many denominations? Let me tell you why it's not. It's not because the Spirit spoke to somebody and said, break off and go in a different direction. It's not because the Spirit said there are multiple versions of the truth. It is only because people in their flesh have come to wrong conclusions about things. Now, again, I'm not going to try to talk to you about who's right and who's wrong. That, right now, I don't think it even matters. What is more important right now than who's right and who's wrong is that all of us understand that God is right. That God is the one. That the Spirit is, the, is telling the truth. That the Word of God is the Word of God. That, that there is a stability and a unity and that we, church, are supposed to be part of that. I beseech you to walk worthy of that calling, the wonderful calling that He has given us with lowliness. Listen, where is the humility in saying, I'm right? Now we're going to, I'm telling you that red is more durable and we're going to have red carpet and that's the way it's going to be. And, and, and even this, and even if you get into other things, that's not carpet, right? Even if you get in all the other things, 
when you stick your chest out and start saying, now I am the end of all discussion. If you disagree with me, then you might as well hit the road. Then we're wrong. Even if we're right, we're wrong. Now, can I say that again? Even if I'm right, I'm wrong. Because I'm not living in humility. I need to talk to you. If you disagree with me, we need in humility to get together and talk it out. That's what the early church did. They spent hours in the Word of God. They spent time on their knees in prayer. You know why we can't get along and figure it all out? Because we don't spend the time in study and the time in prayer and, the, and, and we're too scattered into the world to even know which way is up or down. In lowliness of heart, in humility. Not thinking more highly of myself than I ought to think. And listen, most of us and all of us, if we're thinking even about this high of ourselves, we're probably dead wrong. Much less getting all up here where most of us are at. In humility, meekness, listen, forbearing one another in love. How patient are we with each other? Because God would have us to be patient. How, listen, how patient is God with us? How patient has God been with me? Y'all, I am a mess up. I mess up. I have messed up many times. And God has been patient with me. I dare say there's not a person in this room that God has not forbeared with way longer than you'd ever imagine that he would have forbeared with you. How can we do different for those around us? Listen, what he tells us to do. Remember what he tells us to do? Love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. We're supposed to love each other at least as much as I love me. And then God even more than that. Where do we stand in that? That's the greatest of all the commandments. Where do we stand in the greatest of all the commandments? By Jesus' own words. Where do we stand? Do we love God way more than us and everybody else at least as much as us? Do we consider the things of others to be greater than our own things? Do we care more about what's going on with you than we care about what's going on with me? Forbearing one another in love. You know what? We can't do it. You say, Brother Brandon, I just can't do that. That guy just gets under my skin. I I can't stand him. He's aggravating. He's annoying. You know what? I expect you're right. If you said that about me, I expect you're right. You know what? If I said that about you, you know what else? I expect I'm right. Every last one of us is just a little bit annoying and aggravating and selfish and and controlling and and, and everything else, anything else that might aggravate somebody. You know what? We're most of us are all those things. And we're still supposed to love each other. We're still supposed to be patient with each other. Listen, you know when when you get to thinking of yourself like I'm better, like I'm I'm more than I ought to think of myself. That's when you start thinking about everybody else way down here. When you realize that where the Lord had to reach down to to get me, 
then you know that even if he has to reach way down to get you, we're just in the same spot. Now that doesn't mean, now, uh, don't get me wrong, because I'm not this new age guy that says nothing is wrong and I'm not going to talk about your sin, because y'all know that better from last time, right? Sin is sin. And whether I live up to it, uh, to God's standard, or you live up to God's standard, or anybody else lives up to God's standard, and we don't, no matter, even when we don't live up to it, it's still God's standard. And we've got to proclaim that. We've got to proclaim that God is true and God is right and sin is sin while being humble and knowing that I can fall back into it if, it's not, if I'm not staying in unity with the Lord. Just like you may fall into it. And listen, what does he say? He says if your brother falls, he doesn't say go kick him in the behind, run him off, drag him by the hair. Does he say that anywhere? He says go to him in love and tell him where he's went wrong, not because you want to laugh in his face, because you love him and you want him back in the fellowship of Christ. That the unity of the church, you know, that's one of our problems. We're not unified enough to even realize when the unity has been broken. And so we're, when we become unified in Christ as a church, it hurts us if somebody is outside the unity. When the unity gets broke, and then we can go to that person and we can talk to them in love and say, Brother, brother, we want you back. We want you back with us. We want you out of that sin. We want you living the life for Christ. We want you walking worthy of the vocation. Listen, we need you in the body of Christ. I've got a job. You've got a job. You've got a job. We all have a job. We need each other to get the job done. And when somebody's not doing their job, we need them. Somebody isn't getting it right, we need them back. That's the motivation. It's love. Everything done in love, forbearing one another, taking care of each other, being patient with each other, going to each other. Listen, how many times do we go sit in somebody's house and say, brother, sister, what you going through? Can I help you? Is there anything going on that I can help you with? Is there anything going on spiritually? Do you need somebody to pray with you? Do you need somebody to study the Bible with you? What are you studying right now? You know what? I think if we went to each other's house once a week and sat on somebody's porch and say, hey, brother, what you studying right now? I'd, like, I'd, I'd be very interested to know what you're studying right now in the Bible. You know what? Most people would say, well, I don't know. But you know what? Maybe next week when you went and sat on their porch and asked them again, what are you studying right now? Maybe they would be saying, oh, yeah, I'm studying something now. Let's talk about it. Being there for each other. Being that person to be there and being studied up yourself. If somebody sat on your porch, if I came to your house today and I said, brother, sister, what you studying right now? What you praying about right now? Can I pray with you? Can I study with you? Can you, can you fill me in? Can you tell me what the Lord is doing in your life right now? Would you have answers? I pray that you would. Endeavoring, listen, endeavoring, endeavoring, it says, to keep the unity in the Spirit. Are we trying hard? I would say this, if you're broke up over the color of the, if you're in a big fuss over the color of anything, if you're a fuss over anything foolish, then you're not endeavoring very hard to keep the unity, are you? I'll tell you, you're not. You're not working at it. You're not putting any effort into it. 
always here, and, and I, I've been married for a, a good long while now, uh, 24 years. It, it's wonderful, but it's work. Laura, poor Laura has worked herself silly. Same thing with the church. Same thing with the people of God. It's work to stay unified. You got to put some energy into it. You got to put some time and effort into it. How many hours, how many minutes, how many seconds last week did you put into the unification of this church? I beg you, says Paul, put more time in next week. Do something. Make a phone call. Go see somebody. Talk about the scriptures. Pray with somebody. Bring, start doing your part. Your little part. It's just a little part. Start doing your little part to bring the people of God together in the vocation that we've been called to do. Endeavoring to keep a bond of peace with the people of God. And why? Because God is peace to us. If you want peace in your heart, if you want the peace of God, then we spread that peace to others, right? I mean, everything that God is to us, we're supposed to be showing that to others. Everything that we want God to give us, then when he gives it to us, we should spread it to somebody else. Give it to others. The peace that he can give your life. There, I promise you there are people all around this community, and I don't know the community. I promise you there are people desperately needing peace in their life and don't know where to get it. If you have it this morning, don't keep it to yourself. Unify with the Spirit of God and let Him send you somewhere. Let Him show you. Pray for a place. Pray for a person in your life that you can do the work of God. That you can show them that peace. That you can show them the love of God. That you can spread the Word and the Gospel and that you can help save souls and build a kingdom. Listen, I don't know about you, but God has did so much for me and I know that God is so great and so wonderful that I can't explain it and I want the kingdom of God to be as big and glorious and perfect as I can help God make it. And I know, I'm, I'm like this big. I, I can't even imagine that he would give me anything. I can't imagine he would equip me to do anything. I can't imagine that he would entrust me with something as important as his kingdom. But listen, I can tell you I want it to be as big and beautiful as I can help him make it. He's got the power to do it, too. He's got the power to get it done. Not of my own self. I can't depend on me. But he's entrusted us with something. And he's got the power to make it happen. We serve a God who can build a kingdom. We serve a God who has done, and listen, he's not going to do it. Listen, he's already done everything he's got to do to build his kingdom. He has already died. Listen, he didn't die for about five people in here. He didn't die for a handful of people. There's not a whole world of people out there that God just said, these people are going to hell. We're not worried about them. Listen, he died for every single person. So don't even think about it. If you meet a person, that person needs Jesus. If you meet another person, that person needs Jesus. Don't think about it. Don't worry about who they are. It doesn't matter. It's not my job to decide who they are. It's not my job. It is definitely not my job to decide who deserves to go to heaven and who deserves to go to hell. Can anybody in here make that decision? 
There'd probably be a whole bunch of people say, I'd need to head the other direction. What if it was you that they decided wasn't good enough to make it? Listen, I, ooh, again, it scares me to death what I hear sometimes. He, I, I'll promise you, he ain't bad enough. God can't save him. If I wasn't bad enough, God couldn't save me. He ain't bad enough. God can't save him. It's not our job to decide that. He died for all of us. He's done everything. Hell and the grave have been overtaken. Listen, there is victory. The last, listen, the, the last enemy that shall be defeated, that shall be destroyed, is death. And he is absolutely took care of it for each and every one of us. He's the first fruits. He was raised from the dead. He come up out of that grave. And listen, if you want to come up out of your grave one day, if you want to go to be with Jesus, if you don't want to be dead and in hell and in that grave, if you don't want to be separated from Christ, if you want to live in eternity with Him, then accept Him as your Lord and Savior and walk worthy. Get into the job, get into the game, and walk worthy of the vocation that you've been called. In unity with Christ, in unity with each other, in unity with the church, in unity with the churches around us, all for the kingdom and the grace and the glory of God. Amen. 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 She said it exactly right. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. Amen. 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 If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know him, Listen, you got to know him. You got to. You will live a life of confusion, pain. You won't ever understand anything. Listen, we only make sense in light of God. If he doesn't tell me who I am, I won't know. If he doesn't show me who I am and what my purpose is, if I don't have purpose in God, then I have no purpose. I will never understand myself. I will never understand the world. No matter how many thousands and thousands of scientists do thousands and thousands of experiments, I promise you they will never understand. They'll never know what the purpose of man is unless they turn and ask God. We have purpose. We have direction. We've got to focus, church. We've got to focus. That's, that's really what Paul is saying. Because you know that all this is true, because you know that the Lord died for your sins, now it's time to focus. Focus your attention. Focus your heart. Focus your mind on the things of God. And everything will come together for you eventually. No matter, listen, no matter if the Lord never answers another prayer for me again in this lifetime, it all still makes sense to me because God is God. And if he says, I don't need it, it makes sense. That's unity with Christ. That's unity in the kingdom of God. We've got to see ourselves in the big picture of unity with God instead of that tiny little picture of myself. Most of us are so wrapped up looking. You know what? If I, if I could look... This way. All I'm going to see is a bunch of old red, I don't know, whatever's inside me, right? But if I look at God 
and I see the big picture, and I see that God knows what he's doing, and that God has a plan, and that, that life is like a vapor, and that I, my purpose in this little life, in my little corner of the world, is to live for him. Then I understand myself. Then I don't even need, listen, I don't even need God to give me any more blessings. I don't need for him to answer my prayers. I don't need for him to save me from my sickness. I don't, hey, I'm good either way. Now, I don't like to suffer. I don't like to be in pain. But if it's for the glory of God, if God says this will bring me glory, this is going to further my kingdom, this is the plan, then I can accept that. Boy, it's hard to accept suffering if I've got no purpose. It's hard to go to jail like Paul if I've got no purpose. Listen, when they come and they, they put that gun to your head and say, Brother, do you know Christ? Do you love the Lord? If you don't have purpose, if you're not unified with him, if you don't know him and know that he's got a, a purpose in your life, you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, don't shoot me, man. Please don't shoot me. But if you know the Lord and you've got purpose, listen, you can even face death. You can face death. The greatest enemy of all mankind for as long as people have been fallen has been death. But Jesus has broke the curse. He's got victory over death in your life. We can face it with him.